there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, Dr. Batar, we know all is right with the world. It's not coming to an end because you're here. It's Advanced Medicine on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Welcome back, my friend. How how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Robert. How are you? Yeah, we're we're having an animated discussion before you got here, but that's just the way we got to warm up to be ready for you. You know that. <laughs> so we were warming it up because we've got doctors and scientists complaining about moms and dads that they're like they're be, they're the bullies now. Moms and dads of vaccine injured children are bullying doctors and scientists online of, over the vaccine issue. They're they're actually calling us bullies, and we're also a media empire. And I'm like. All right, let's be the let's wear the label proud. We're media empire and we're bullies. Of course, it's absurd, it's silly, but the World Health Organization says you know we're the the great danger. Those who are hesitant to take vaccines. You know what? As vaccines are made today, it's not hesitation. It's a full stop. I'm just going to tell you, it's not hesitation. But anyway, Doctor Batar, you always put uh, good perspective on these things. Well, I'm just letting you just roll with it because. Uh... <laughs> I agree with everything you're saying. That I have nothing. I have nothing to add to it except that you go for it because you're absolutely right. That you know, if the, it's a it's an angering situation, especially when we when we look at the real facts and we under, when people understand that we don't have any media empire behind us, we don't have any money or lobbyists or you know billions of dollars of funding from like, like big pharma has to make some of these things happen. So it's it's absurd to even talk about. Um, it in this context, and this comes back to no matter what people say about uh, Trump or the, the one thing that the one thing that Trump has said that has resonated me from the get go, Robert, was when he mm-hmm. talked about fake news, and this is all fake yes. news. This comes down yes. to fake news, and the media controls the the narrative, and they have an agenda behind that narrative, and you know it's it's very annoying when you've been on the other side and you know what the agenda is, you know. Well, Cheryl Atkinson did a whole piece on her uh, her show, A Full Measure, yesterday about the curating of the news. Because Obama says, my gosh, we've got, it's a wild, wild west out there. It's fake news. We need, like, intermediaries. Basically, we need censors. We need to censor what the American people hear and learn and know. And that's where you got congressmen now calling overtly for, you know, censorship through social media. Uh, how do we clamp down? They're calling us a media empire. They're basically calling us the uh, the, the great danger to doctors and scientists who all they want to do is inject your children with things that haven't been tested for safety or efficacy through the gold standard double-blind inert placebo-controlled studies. And we're the enemy? We're calling for, A, you want to do this? You at least better do a real safety study, not this made-up garbage. And and they resent that, Robert. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's resenting, they're resenting it because it's, it's likely to expose them for what they are, and that is something that they cannot risk. They cannot risk the fact that there's a potential for um, the truth to come out. And if the truth comes out, then the game's over. There's nothing yes. that they can do or say to prevent the game from being over, because then 
everything becomes exposed. The truth becomes known, yeah. and their entire agenda falls apart. Well, and, and you've heard truth is stranger than fiction. Let's do this, because the WHO is now saying uh, it's inevitable. The flu pandemic will be back. The World Health Organization says, you know, vaccine hesitancy is a danger. And, of course, they're setting the establishment that you, we've got to get this pandemic flu shot out, the universal flu shot out. And, uh, you know, who am I to call out history when they've, re- when they've gotten it wrong? What is the basis for them determining that the 1918 Spanish influenza was caused by one particular virus, whether they call it H5N2, H5, whatever it is, right? Whatever they claim it is. How do they come to this conclusion? They dug up a man from the permafrost in Alaska, all right? They dug up a guy that died at the, in that time frame. They dig into his guts and they find evidence of a particular virus. And they say, aha, uh-huh, we have found the cause of the Spanish influenza of 1918. I, you can't make that up. And then, then they bought it. This is where you get into P.T. Barnum levels. You know, not only repeating the lie, but make it a whopper. Make it so big that nobody would think to question it. We, we dug up a guy from Alaska and we found the cause of the millions of people who died in 1918, 1919. I'm telling you, they get away with it because they are, you were talking about bald face lies. They're big and they, they're bad and, and they're repeated. And then people go, Oh yeah, of course they know what, what caused it. No, they don't. They didn't even know what a virus was in 1918. Of course they dig up the guy later and they say that's the cause. They have a time machine. Well, well, the thing is, Robert. Um, I think I shared this story with you when David Wilcock had um, a seminar in Atlanta, and I'd gone to it. And about, I think it was the second day of the seminar, he he kept on looking at me, but with a strange look. And then he recognized me. He said, "I know you." And I kind of turned around. I didn't know who he was talking, but he was talking about talking to me. And he asked me to come up, and he basically said that I was responsible. And this, this, like, just you know, you get accolades and, and compliments, and those are great. But when somebody <clears throat> David Wilcock goes, he goes, you're responsible. You're the man who is responsible for, first he said, the Washington Redskins cheerleader. He said, you're the doctor that did that, right? And you couldn't remember. Desiree Jennings. Yes, exactly. And he says, it starts with a B, right? Like butter or something like that. I said, butar. And he goes, that's it. He said, come up here, come up here. So I I walk up there. I'm thinking, okay, what's this going to be? He goes, and he's telling the audience as I'm walking up there, he goes, this is the man that's responsible for saving one billion lives with a B, with a Mm. billion lives. So I get up there, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, I've heard some pretty cool things, but I'm really interested in knowing how you figured this one out, because I don't even know what you're, what you're talking about. And he referred back to the H1N1 flu. Remember when the H1N1 flu came out? Yes. There was a video by the Australian researcher who did the research for Tamiflu, and he put that out there, but that video was only out there for about three or four days, and then it was gone. I had captured that video, and then when I took that video, and then I put a video out there talking about the H1N1. And what it was was the H1N1 flu, if you remember, it's, it's basically unusual because it had the uh, swine flu, it had, the, uh, had bird flu, and it had another component in there. But the interesting thing was, in the H1N1, when you start looking at the strains, the, the swine flu strains, there was a Eurasian strain and there's an uh, American strain. And the two do not uh, superimpose each other. They don't cross over, Okay. And this researcher that had done the research in Tamiflu showed, I don't remember whether it was electron microscopy or what he had, he was showing the configuration of the virus. And it was like with a surgical precision, this, this image that showed the Eurasian strain and the American strain combined. And he said, this does not occur in nature. Nature does, this doesn't occur normally like this, right? It, it's been 
synthesized to create this uh, excessively virulent strain of two different strains of the same virus, the swine flu. Then it also has the bird flu, whatever else it had in there. But the two strains of the swine flu were, were they just naturally do not come together. And they were both components in one strain of this, of this mm-hmm. virus. And then on top of that, I had another segment that talked about the patent for the H1N1 virus, not the vaccine, but the virus, was filed, I think it was 11 months before the first documented case of H1N1 ever in the world. And this was filed somewhere in Europe. I believe it was in, in, um, in Amsterdam or somewhere. They filed this. It was, it was, um, was it Baxter? I, I can't remember the name of the pharmaceutical company. It was. it was one of the big ones. Maybe it was Bayer. I don't remember. But they had filed a patent on a virus that has never been shown right. to ever, ever cause any type of pathogenesis 11 months before the first documented case. And the, and the patent is on a virus that could not have naturally occurred. It was synthesized. And now they're talking about 20% of the American population is going to die. If you remember, Obama was oh, on yeah. TV talking about how 60 million people, they were predicting the death. This In is 2010, yeah. Germany, they had the riots. Yeah, and the Washington State. A nursing association went to the Supreme Court where they were saying that it's not right to be uh, have mandatory vaccine for this H1N1. I mean, people were in the airports laughing. I remember walking through the airport, and there's Obama talking about how 60 million people, 20% of the American population was going to die, and people were laughing about it. And pe- people in mass were refusing to take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, the question is, how, how do they keep getting away with, like we used to call Julie Gerberding, who was head of CDC in the early 2000s, Julie, Chicken Little Gerberding. Because she would all every year she would you know make these pronouncements and no one would challenge her from the mainstream media. We would we we've been here doing this for twenty years, and uh, now the WHO has taken up the, the the task to go global. You know it's not just CDC, it's not just Elmo sneeze in your your elbow and get a flu shot. But now uh, Super Don has done us a, 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 a he's amazing this way. We asked him it's like can you get the WHO on record because. Each year, they have to kind of ratchet it up, make it bigger and, and, and badder and more scary in order to get people to uh, convince them to take these experimental vaccinations. Because you pointed out, they're combining viruses, they're patenting viruses, they're experimenting with viruses. Like, how do we get this pandemic flu? I wonder if this would do it. And they're actually experimenting with it. So how are they going to get us to take the shot? They keep saying it's the big one. The Spanish flu is back. Well, I've got audio from the WHO. Give a listen. This is how they're going to do it. Oh, it's the worst one. This is the big one. I'm dying. <laughs> they brought back Fred Sanford <laughs> to, to I, let I everybody know. I thought, he... serious, I thought this was going to be a serious thing you're going to play that this is going to be like, you know, you had them on tape or something. So No, they wouldn't go on record. So uh, Super Don had to get a secret recording. And, of course, you remember Fred Sanford every episode. Oh, this yeah, yeah. is the big one. I'm coming home. That's what they're doing. It's well, more chicken littling. Right, right. And this is, the, this is why David Wilcock had made that statement, was because that video, which had the segment from uh, that was taken down off the Internet from the researcher in Australia that did the research on Tamiflu originally, uh, mm-hmm. with my segment, and then with this patent information, and he felt that that information, and it did, I don't remember how many hits that video ended up getting, it was, it was in the millions, but regardless, it was interesting because that particular component, um, and it's just giving visibility. It's just making people aware of what the truth is. Because I, I, how many people really knew about the H1N1, that it was two different, you know, the Eurasian strain and the American mm-hmm. strain, almost like with surgical precision put together. Here's another interesting thing that happened 
and I remember mentioning this in there. Hold on, we're up, we're up on a break. We're up on a break. So let's okay. let's let's pick that up on the other side of this discussion here. Uh, also, uh, folks, he's not he's not making that up. He's not exaggerating, Doctor Batar. It's actually exactly what happened then, and that is why they want curators for the news. That is why they want censorship. They want to be basically unabated in their ability to lie to you with the help of the government. The government enables this because they've been captured by the pharmaceutical industrial complex, WHO, CDC. Yes, it's collusion. Back after this. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show all right cranking it up here doing advanced medicine with dr rasha batar remember we've got a lot of events coming up including the big advanced medicine seminar conference uh in pasadena that's memorial day weekend we'll get you more insight into that but uh you know we're talking about a lot of the the propagandizing about flu influenza chicken little gerberding and cdc in those days but who has kind of taken on that task of frightening people because like obama in 2010 saying 60 million people are going to die they're not giving up on their dream but they're making it up there's a reason that a lot of people did die in 1918 But I would argue it has nothing to do or little, let me just say it this way, little to do with a virus per se. Because we know that if viruses actually do anything, it's because of pre-existing circumstances, environmental degradation, pollution, toxic waste, uh, toxins in your body, malnutrition. A lot of things were happening around the era of World War I. But that is not considered or discussed. That's why we do advanced medicine here, Dr. Batar. Take it away. You know, Robert, just as a side note, we are a viral system. In fact, our evolutionary process is dependent upon on viruses. So I don't even know whether trying to knock out viruses is, uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, whether that's, uh, that's a smart thing. I mean, it's an adaptogenic response where the viruses help us to adapt to the changing environmental circumstances that we find ourselves in. So that's a side note. But anyway, what I was going to talk about before we went to break was the Los Angeles Times had reported 64, I believe it was, 64 cases of H1N1 flu that people had died from. And they were creating an absolute uproar because they were asking the question, why isn't the rest of the world asking these questions about this? 64 cases of H1N1, documented cases with titers of people with H1N1 that died, and nobody's covering the story. And so the Los Angeles Times printed this, and then all of a sudden, it was on AOL, it was on all these different things. By the way, you know, talking about how media works, when Washington Redskins cheerleader Desiree Jennings, when we started treating her and she started getting better, all of her stories, she was actually corresponding with AOL, too. All those stories that were on AOL, everything that was archived disappeared. There's no trace anywhere, anywhere on, on any Internet website, even in the ones that historically say things. I have certain components because one of my staff members uh, screen captured some of the stuff, but it just disappeared. All the articles, everything disappeared. Well, what was interesting was with this H1N1 64 cases that the Los Angeles Times reported, all of a sudden the story went dead. No, I couldn't find any place that was still talking about this. Came to find out those, 80, those 64 cases of H1N1 documented that died in Los Angeles that the Los, that the Los Angeles uh, Times was you know, in uproar about 
all 64 people had been given the H1N1 vaccine. All 64. So 100% of the people that got the flu, the H1N1 vaccine, died of H1N1, or that they at least attributed their deaths to H1N1. Right. Now, well, this is a strange phenomenon because nobody talks about this particular story. And if you do a search on it, you can't find it anywhere anymore. Now, why is that? Why is it? I believe, and this is what Wilcox was talking about when I, when I'm, when I had put the video out, I believe that the H1N1 shot was a preparatory shot. It was, a, it was in preparation so that the next sequence of whatever people were going to get was what would come down and take out that 20% of the population that Obama was talking about. How can a president of, of the greatest nation on the planet make a prediction that 20% of the population was going to be dead? How can they, do, how can they make that kind of a prediction? Yeah, you know, this is, I'm not making this up, Robert. You remember that, right? 20%. Oh, yeah. yeah. 60 million people. They had, they had a homeland security with all the body bags and all the different... I mean, they were preparing for mass, but they made mass casualties. They were preparing for this. Well, how could they have even come up with those conclusions? First H1N1, then whatever the second sequence shot is, and they can predict how many people are going to die because of the reaction based on those two different components. The problem was the first component was never accepted. People rioted in Germany. People rioted in the U.K. People rioted in the U.S. They refused to take the H1N1 vaccine. They refused en masse. So that second combination that came, it, it never was. I mean, I don't know whether it was divine intervention or what it was, but People mm-hmm. were literally laughing in the streets, like, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get this H1, H1N1 shot. I think they overcalculated and, and thought that, okay, they could really intimidate people, but it was so absurd. People were like, I'm not going to do this. Right. I remember well, remember back in 75, 76, Gerald Ford and the swine flu vaccine debacle. Um, more people died of the shot, certainly injured, yep. a lot of Gilbarre and such. But uh, that should have set the end of the, the, the annual flu campaign because it didn't work. <laughs> Instead, they doubled down each and every year since then with more lies, with more phony science and more fear mongering like Fred Sanford. This is the big one. Now, if it happens, it's going to be caused by them, by allopathic iatrogenic uh, reasons. But we'll we'll talk about that some more after this. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. RobertScottBell.com. All the links are up, including to AdvancedMedicine.com. You can join the IDFW. We've talked about that. Go back to the archives available through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, UK Health Radio, right here on GCN, GCNLive.com. Although next week, transitioning to Natural News Radio, back to our original home, uh, which is going to be a blast with Dr. Bittar here doing advanced medicine each and every week. Uh, and, well, the flu. We got a little bit more on the flu. How do they pick the strains? I've talked about democracy in action. You get a bunch of uh, pharmaceutical juggernauts throwing together these doctors, PhDs, and they kind of guess. They call it an educated guess, but it's like throwing a bunch of strains on the dartboard. Which one do we hit with the dart? And they get three of them together or so. Now, earlier today, maybe currently, Peter Hotez was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and I was just like wanting to scream at the screen uh, because Hotez told Rogan that even if the flu strain doesn't match, it still helps. 
How? Oh, it'll make it so you don't get as sick and you won't die of the flu that you don't even have strength. Yeah, yeah. He's just making it up because Rogan doesn't know to challenge him on that. But they often do that. They say, the flu shot's the best thing we have, Dr. Batar, and even if it doesn't match up, it's still good. Well, the absurdity of it is, first of all, there's, there's thousands of strains of viruses out there that can cause a flu. And they use, this, they use basically a computer-generated model. It's an algorithm, of predicting, uh, an algorithm to predict which is going to be the strain that will cause the flu the following year. And then based on that algorithmic prediction, they will make a vaccine, and then they promote that for that year's flu. Now, that's of the five or 6,000 strains that we know about, and there's probably another five or 6,000 strains we don't know about. So, you, you know, just figure conservatively, probably ten to 12,000 strains. And I'm assuming that there's probably even more than that. But, again, I don't know. But we know that there's at least five or 6,000 strains that are, that are recognized that have been studied, that have been documented and indexed. But there's at least that many, if not more, that haven't been discovered. Now, here's what the funny thing is. When you're looking at the stock market, there's three things that can happen. It can go up, it can go down, or it can stay the same. So there's three different outcomes. Here they're looking at 5,000 known and another five to 7,000 unknown variables, and they're going to predict, and then they're going to give people shots with known poison today based upon their algorithm that can't predict whether the market's going up or down to stay sideways, but they're going to be able to predict which of the strains of the 7,000 or 10,000 or 12,000, whatever many there are, they're going to make a prediction of which one strain is going to be the most prevalent the next year? Are you serious? But, of course, they don't tell the public this. They tell the public what you just said, what this guy said on the podcast, right? Oh, even if it doesn't make, even if it's not the right strain for the right virus, it doesn't matter. It'll still make, uh, an, have an effect on the individual so they don't die, which is right. absolute. It's just made up. They, there's no validity, but you know when they claim that we don't have science promoting the use of silver or homeopathy, and I was like, you know what, we actually do, but you guys are just making it up, and, and without without you know sort of like the, they'll lie to themselves in the mirror, and I have to think that they're on so many medications just to be able to sleep at night because it's just unconscionable what they're promoting, claiming the mantle of science. Yeah. But again, if you understand the agenda is not money and power because they have all the money, they have all the power. If the agenda is not that and something more sinister, something darker, something that goes beyond good and bad and starts to border on, on you know, light versus dark, then it makes sense why they're doing it and they're putting this information out there because it's, it's not about science, it's not about validity, it's not about knowledge it's about an agenda and the agenda if it's that suspicious they have to do whatever they can to promote it because you know you've got people with actual brains that think about this stuff and people that actually understand the science and people that actually understand research and people that actually understand the, the bs that they're dishing out there and they're going to go on the other side so they have to get the low line fruit by just dishing out whatever garbage they can and hope that some of it sticks Earlier in the show, Dr. Batar, we were talking about uh, the curation of media. They, they are claiming that we are disinformation agents, robots, Russian bots, whatever. And they want to say, well, you know, you guys are the bullies now. We have a, uh, a media empire. You know, all the excuses they can to try to shut down discussions, shut down freedom of speech. And, you know, what we ask is that you think critically about even things and especially things we say. We don't want you to accept it blindly. 
Go in and double check, research for yourself, and come to the conclusions. Probably, likely, you come to the same conclusions as us, but we're not trying to beat it into you. We want you to have this information. Now, we have an article here called The Largest Robert, Ever Study. Before, well, go ahead. Robert, before you go into this article, I just want yeah. to say something. You, you mentioned just now, uh, you know, the intellect, appealing to their intellect. And this is a, such an important thing for all our listeners to remember this and also to propagate this information out to your friends and your family, that when you are given a piece of information, whether it's from Robert or myself or any other place that you hear, good or bad, you know, positive or negative, whatever it is, you have to remember that there is an initial feeling that you get when you hear this information, whatever the information may be. That is resonance, and it will either resonate with your intellect or it will not. And that is the best form, from a, as, a, as far as a truth meter is concerned, because if it resonates with you and you feel it being true, I and mean, some people would say, come on, how, how are you going to use that as a barometer of truth? Well, believe it or not, we are, we are very, very in tune. Our bodies are very in tune. Everybody's body is very in tune. But, you know, when people say, God does, I, I pray, but God doesn't listen to me. God listens to us all, okay? It's whether we listen or the Creator listens to us all. It's whether we listen. You know, there's so many signals that we get all the time. My patients, before they can become a patient of mine, if they have cancer, they must pray for 24 hours and ask for guidance and contemplation from whatever they believe, whatever source. If they don't believe in God, whatever they believe in, asking for guidance. And that's this intellectual appealment is so critical for, I think, uh, for our planetary evolution to continue. If you're listening to our show and it doesn't resonate with you, then you shouldn't be listening to us. But if you listen to us and it resonates with you, then you know that this is your truth. Because everybody has their own truth, right? And we are not trying to... We don't have a message for those people that don't understand. Those who understand, no... no um, for those who understand, no explanation is necessary. For those who don't understand, no explanation is possible. So we, our audience, our, what we're talking to is for the people that already understand this issue. And that intellectual appealment is to me, the most important criteria so that you know whether you're getting the truth or not. Because there are right. people that may disagree with me, but then they hear something else, and they're like, you know, I heard that, and I knew that was BS, and that's why I'm back in your clinic, Dr. Stark, because I, I now understand what you were talking about. That, mm -hmm. that intellectual appeal, because I haven't given them any more information than they had before. They were just diehard believers in what they believed in because their brother and their uncle and their dad was a doctor, and they believed something different. And then when they went to the other side and then they presented that information, they, the truth resonated with them. Right. You know, or the absence of truth resonated with them. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure we pointed that out, because I appreciate what you do, Robert, and every, you know, I only do it one day a week with you, but you do it two hours every day, six days a week, so um, I appreciate that. that yeah, and I'm just like, Super Don, which day of the week is it that I don't do it authentically? That's the one thing. Like, one day a week, I try to trick everybody totally inauthentic. No, I don't do that. But, it, you know, people pick up on that, right? And that's part of what, not only an intellect, but, you know, your radar detector, your sensors of, of uh, you know, the gut, brain, heart connection, all of these things to re reacquaint themselves. I love what you said, and I know you've said it before, but for our new listeners, what Dr. Batar says, if you come to him you're dealing with serious issues, you're going to go home and pray on it. He's going to instruct you to pray on it, whatever it is you believe, and then come back because he's not disengaged from, like much of allopathic medicine, with spirit, however you define that term, the energy, the essence of all life, and that communication tool. And we're manifesting it in our own way on radio here once a week with Dr. Bittar and when we get together for advanced medicine conferences and such, and you feel it. That's why you want to be there. That's why we want you there. 
But now we've got the largest ever study showing that the MMR vaccine is linked to lower rates of autism. Now, you hear me say that. Basically, that means that getting the MMR shot will reduce your risk of manifesting autism. How many of you does that resonate as truth? How many of you right now heard that and felt it and like, oh, man, my gut feels really weird when you say that. And you know it's not true. This is, this is important, Robert. This is really important. You know, Robert just used the word gut, right? He said it's that gut feeling. It's that sixth sense. It's that intuition. That's all the universal consciousness talking to us. Whatever you believe, whether you believe it's God or source, energy, whatever, that, that gut instinct that you know or that, that visceral response, that intuition, that sixth sense that just tells you, that's all God talking to us. That's all our intellect that's appealing to us. Our intellectual, whether it appeals to our intellect or not, that's all part and parcel of this truth that Robert's talking about. Sorry, Robert, back to you. I just want to make no sure problem, everybody understands but, what we're talking about. But then you take that thought. Maybe you're not sure what you're feeling, and then you engage the intellect, okay? Now you go into the research. You look at the article. You, you go back to the original. You say, who funded this, right? What agencies are involved in this? Is there any conflict of interest, economic or otherwise? And you find out that this study was poorly designed, if you know science, and it was designed for this outcome specifically. And it was funded by the pharmaceutical industrial complex through so-called nonprofits, Novo Nordisk Foundation, Danish Ministry of Health. All of these are engaged in increasing uptake of vaccines, including the MMR. So for them to claim it, any parent out there that has a child that has been injured by the MMR or any of the vaccines are going to go, that's ridiculous. How do they claim that? But they claim it's science. you got to go dig deeper then. It's science and in the mainstream media. Again, coming back to our buddy Liam Sheff, official stories, begin to see through these official stories, and you will navigate a much healthier, happier life, and you will not be victimized by those that will claim they're here to save you when they're really here to enslave you or reduce your very life as they try to reduce population on planet Earth through this artificial and sinister means. It's, it's criminal is what they're doing. What they're, the way they're promoting this and propagating this, it's criminal because it's costing people lives, not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, but millions of lives. When you start looking at the incidence of cancer and heart disease, you start looking at the prevalence of these disease processes and how they're actually increasing despite all the advances in medical technology that we have, then you start realizing there's something that's going on. And in, you can go back and start looking at how the immune system is trained naturally and how the, what we do to that natural process and how we maim it and we, we basically destroy it before it even has a chance to start functioning on its nor, uh, at, at its normal uh, functioning level. And we... Forget about the things like, you know, the Centers for Disease Control having the toxicology team. We talk all, all day long about the, about the infectious disease team, but we never talk about the toxicology team. Because there's a toxicology team there, too, that's looking at all this stuff. And the toxicology team uh, is looking at it. because Why do they look at it? Because it's the toxicities that cause the problem. And that's really where the vast majority of the problems are. That then cause a suppression of our immune system, which then leads to the opportunistic infections, causing mm. these problems with bacteria, viruses, viruses, microplastic, yeast, parasites, whatever it is. And that's where the issue lies. So, anyway, Robert, again, that was that was beautifully really, said. Uh, an important thing that we, we, we mentioned just now, and I think that people up on a break. We talk the truth like that resonates. Yes. By the way, could this vaccine complex set the stage for inflammation, resulting in depression and suicide? We're going to talk about that next. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, Dr. Bichar, before we head our final story, uh, are there any updates of upcoming webinars beyond, of course, the big one, the Advanced Medicine Conference that we're going to be at in Pasadena, California, Memorial Day weekend, uh, the Saturday, Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, Pasadena? Any updates, Dr. Bichar? We just lost them? Oh, perfect no. timing. Well, there's Super an Don? update for you. Okay, you got an update. The update is we uh, have lost Dr. Bittar. All right, Eric will get him back on in a moment here. Hopefully he hasn't <laughs> lost total total connectivity with everything that he's doing. So yeah. we've got the links up in the show notes. If you go to upcoming events or if you scroll down in the show notes, every day well, we have a show, there will be notes associated with it with links that you can read up on, the stories that we bring out, and you can come to your own conclusions about them. But we try to elucidate things you'll not hear anywhere else in broadcast media. Um, this last uh, news story is about younger adults with inflammatory disease are at greater risk of anxiety and depression. Okay, we can identify and acknowledge, and I don't even disagree with that. But rather than, you know, we could call it even a moment of duh, but the reality is, is it is evidence of deficiency of aspirin or ibuprofen or other steroidal and anti-inflammatories? Or is it the result of the pro-inflammation medical profession through vaccination and other things that they do or a lack of appropriate understanding about going on a clean organic non-gmo diet so i think we got dr batar back on and uh jumping into this uh inflammation linked to depression and anxiety robert you know the thing is that the seven toxicities that we, as we've talked about before and that i wrote about in the book it's the mechanism of action is all oxidative stress so when you're looking at something like inflammation the inflammatory cascade, which is patho- it's pathological. The inflammatory cascade is essentially pathognomonic and is pathological in the sense that it is the underlying common denominator between cardiovascular disease, inflammatory, right, it's pro-inflammatory, uh, diabetes, pro-inflammatory, insulin is a pro-inflammatory molecule, cancer is an infl- uh, inflammation-type scenario. But all these different things, it's an inflammation-mediated response. And now you start looking at things such as um, people getting uh, people getting anxiety and depression. Well, you know that the most prescribed drug in, I think, in North America, it's an antidepressant. I think it's Paxil. But it's an antidepressant. Is that right? You, you know this part. Yeah, you've got uh, the, the, the big three you hear about, Prozac, Paxil, and Zoloft. And I believe Paxil right. might be number one right now. And interestingly enough, I right. think uh, uh, fluoride-based molecules as well. But I, I want to add into the inflammation discussion. We've been talking about the vaccine issue, right? If you throw in adjuvants, you are there to aggravate the immune system. You want to provoke a response. That response is, by definition, going to be inflammatory, is it not? Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely right. So now you've got this entire cascade of inflammatory, the underlying process of these diseases is inflammatory, and then you further induce it with an inflammatory cascade that we're initiating. It's iatrogenic now, right? We're causing it by giving vaccines. We're creating the inflammatory cascade, accelerating it, and further to that inflammation process that we're inducing, because remember, the adjuvants that are being used are in there for the purpose of, it's an excitatory purpose. They, they want to stimulate the immune system. That's the pretense that's being used. But then on top of that, you've got certain components that are used as preservatives 
such as thimerosal, ethyl mercury, and, and, and whatever else, nickel, aluminum, formaldehyde, all these other components that are not necessarily used as adjuvants, but used as preservatives or for whatever other nefarious agenda they may have, that are also, by definition, inflammatory, right? The mechanism of a heavy metal that causes oxidative stress, that's an inflammatory cascade that's being initiated. Oxidative stress is inflammatory. So the entire aspect, now, this is an inflammation on top of inflammation on top of inflammation type of situation we're talking about. Now, a person that's having a lot of inflammation in their body, they're not going to feel that good. Half the people that go to doctors, or more than half the people that go to doctors, when they get their blood work done, the doctor thinks there's nothing wrong. You can't find anything wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with your blood work. So here, take a Paxil. Here, take the Prozac. Take Zoloft, whatever. You're depressed. Who would not be, my first question is, who would not be depressed if they don't feel good? And now you go to a doctor that you need, that you, you know, you're expecting to get help from, and he says, I can't find anything wrong with you. Here, take something. You're depressed. You're going to be even more depressed. Oh, my God, I have depression? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a negative feedback loop that's just yeah. feeding ourselves. Well, and, you know, to point this thing out, again, we don't dis- we're not taken away from the science that points the relationship or correlation, but where we would find fault is that they don't provide you any realistic solutions other than drugs that reduce inflammation that will create more inflammation down the road. But that's why we do advanced medicine, Dr. Bittar. We got to go. Tell them what they need to know, please. The power to heal is yours. Yes, indeed. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.